Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. He is risen, and, and as I said, we are, the, the response is, he is risen indeed. So I want to pray uh, as we uh, lift up this message and uh, or that the anointing would be here to deliver what you can receive from God. You don't want to hear from a man. You want to hear from what God has to say to you. So, Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday that, Lord, your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, you are here. So, Father, we thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, we invite you to hear. You are the teacher. And so, Father, I thank you that you uh, can speak through my lips. And, uh, Lord, that uh, this message would go forth unhindered and unchecked by any outside evil force, that every heart would be touched by what they they are learning about the resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, in preparing an Easter message, for me it's not it's not that easy because when I when I read the Bible I tend to put myself there. If if David is fighting Goliath, I'm somewhere in the valley and I'm watching the uh, the Battle as it goes forth. I'm watching the the giant come out and and swear at the at the uh, Israelites and and those kinds of things. So I, I it becomes more real to me that way. And so as I as I go through uh, the events that happen on on Easter week, uh, it it sometimes really tugs on me. Plus we we watched a couple of movies this week. We watched. Uh, uh, risen last night. I don't know if you've ever seen Risen, but it's uh, it's pretty gory in a way. But it's it's realistic. It's a it's a what if. It's not anything you can find in the Bible, but it is about the resurrection of of Jesus. And then we watched uh, a couple of days ago. We we watched the Passion of the Christ, which is probably the most realistic portrayal of the of the scourging and and the things that went on in Jesus right there. But they they are movies, okay. Uh, the real the real message is in the Word of God, and you know people make movies and they take poetic license or whatever, and they add some things to make them maybe a little more viewable. Actually, if you if you made a movie of what actually happened uh, with Jesus on those last days, uh, it probably wouldn't be allowed to be shown. So, anyway, but here we are, Easter week, millions of people, they they know of Jesus either as the baby in the manger or the man on the cross. And he is in neither of those places right now. He didn't stay in that little manger. He didn't stay on the cross. Um, Because 2,000 years ago, something happened that permanently changed the whole world. Now, maybe the whole world doesn't know about it yet, but, but that's... Part of the Great Commission were to go into the world and let them know about the gift that Jesus uh, bought for us. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially nowadays, it seems like people are getting more and more away from the traditional things about, especially Easter, and it's all about giving gifts and a rabbit. I just that just boggles my mind. Just get rid of the rabbit, you know. At least, well, I won't get into that, but it's I don't like it. It's, that's not that's not what Easter is about. So, uh, and people are wondering, oh, what's so important about Easter? Well, it's very important because 
Easter is, is what proves that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was God in the flesh, and he came to earth to save us. So it's important because if this never happened, then then we're wasting our time here. If it did happen, then we've got something to think about and maybe some adjustments to make in our lives. But uh, that's what that's what Easter is about. That's why it's important. So when we talk about Easter, uh, we've already covered some of the things last Wednesday and 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 Pastor David last uh, last week talked about some things about uh, surrounding Easter. Uh, and obviously, the things we want to talk about are the resurrection of Jesus, because without without that, Christianity doesn't mean a thing. But also, the things that are surrounding the resurrection help us to understand why it is, why it happened, why it's important, and what it means to us here today. Um, did it really happen? Well, there are eyewitness accounts in all four Gospels of of the the thing the events surrounding and the resurrection of Jesus and uh, the thing is with everything that happened both before and and uh, after Kiss, after Gethsemane hard to say Gethsemane uh there's too much to include just in one Easter message especially if we go into all the old testament uh the Old Testament uh, scriptures that, that were fulfilled in the life and, and resurrection of Jesus. So, uh, first of all, uh, let's one of the scriptures from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it, I, I want to start in verse 3. It says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, the Young's literal translation and other translations uh, translate that word sorrows, pains. So he is a man of sorrows or pains and acquainted with grief. And Young's literal again takes grief and translates it sickness. So griefs and uh, pains and sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, sickness, and carried our sorrows, pains, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And then verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isn't that a picture of the world today? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of that. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and a sheep before the shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And... Uh, this this describes uh, that not only he took our sins, but our sickness and pain. He took it, and and uh, we'll talk more about that later. But uh, 
Another thing we talked a little bit about uh, the other night about how Jesus was betrayed, how Judas during the the uh, the uh, oh in, in Bethany when he was uh, not not Bethany uh, the anointing yeah it was the the anointing of of the oil the perfume at Bethany where where the lady broke the alabaster box or bag and and poured it over his head and Judas was just so indignant and and some of the some of the things it says all of the uh, they were all uh, upset about that and Jesus uh, made it clear that what she did was a good thing it was for his burial um, so we won't we don't need to to go over that again but right after this was the triumphal entry that we talked about a couple of times now and uh, we talked about that last week and then Passover so uh, during Passover Here's something that I want to bring out from John 13. Jesus said in John 13, uh, starting in verse 21, he said, When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and, testif- and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, we talked about this from one of the other Gospels the other night, but uh, this, is, this is a little different because this shows what uh, Judas did here. It says, in verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him and asked who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Then Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Verse 27, now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Now, Satan had already been working on him to get him to this point. But now, here it says, Satan entered him. Satan entered him. Uh, then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread... He went out immediately, and it was night. So Judas was good at what he did because he had been pilfering from the from the money box, the money bag, and nobody knew it. And even that night, they just assumed he was going out to do something, do a good thing, but that wasn't right. So and and from there he went out, and uh, Jesus went out with the disciples to a garden. Uh, Judas, knowing that this was a, a common place they would go, would, knew where, would know where to take the soldiers to, to arrest him. Uh, so that's what he did. He, went, he brought that detachment uh, of troops, and the chief priests and Pharisees, they came there with lanterns and torches and swords and all that. And uh, that's, they arrested Jesus, took him away. Uh, we're talking about when Peter denied Jesus three times, and uh, Jesus got got restored Peter. We'll see that later on. Uh, Judas eventually realized he had really messed things up, and he he, he hanged himself. He, he took the money back. He realized that he had really erred, and uh, he, he hung himself. And now in uh, Matthew 27... It says, when morning came, first verse, 
When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Down to verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the government, the governor marveled greatly. That's what we read out of Isaiah, that he, he was silent in that. And then, of course, they, Pilate was, was trying to get Jesus off somehow. He saw that this, he didn't deserve to be killed. But, so so there was this custom that they had at that time of year it was passover and they had a they could release one prisoner thinking that Jesus really hadn't done anything that they would request him they requested barabbas who was a scoundrel and uh, and they so they released barabbas in place of Jesus and uh, they he said well and and this is important here in in Matthew 27 uh Verse 21 says, the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. And then verse 22, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And people are asking that today. I mean, they're hearing something like, what what do I do with Jesus? We'll we'll talk about that later. And, uh, of course, Pilate washed his hands and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this, this man. In verse 25, all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and our children. Imagine that. His blood be on us and our children. The enemy was working so strong and, and becoming so bold there that, that they were doing things that didn't even really make sense in the natural. Kind of some of the things that are going on right now in this world today, some of the things to to a normal mind, you wonder how could they think that? But that's a different sermon. So, um, they uh, verse twenty six says they they released Barabbas, and when they had scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. The scourging of Jesus. Now. Most of the movies I've seen, except for the uh, uh, the Passion, uh, a few whip, whoops that, and, and you see a little blood on the back, and it's yeah, it's, it's bad. Uh, it was not like that. the uh, The Jews had some compassion in a way, and they had a rule that you could give someone up to forty lashes, forty stripes, um, and so the rule was that it was. 40 minus 1, just in case they miscounted. They want to make sure they didn't break their law. Well, the Jews didn't whip Jesus. It was the Romans. And the Romans had no such rule. They, The Romans were experts at torture. And and so they had what, what is called a cat of nine tails. It's leather, leather cords, I think seven strands of, of leather cords with with uh, 
rocks and, and metal and, and just sharp objects in there that would, would just rip the flesh apart. And, and so not only would it, it just go across his back, but it would wrap around and even pull off his face and, and so it got both sides. Uh, and, and that's why it, it says, uh, you know, it didn't only lacerate the back, but it, it'd get the front of him too. Most of what they did is, is too graphic to even share with people because it's just, it's, uh, suffice it to say he was unrecognizable. And, uh, and that's even what it says in, in, uh, Isaiah, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, Isaiah 52 verse 14. It says, uh, people were shocked when they saw him. His appearance was so damaged, he didn't even look like a man. His, his form was so changed, they could barely tell he was human. And, uh, it's just unimaginable, unimaginable what, uh, what was done to him. The, a lot of people didn't live through the through the scourging, um, but he had to go through that and then be crucified. But Jesus received those stripes. It was more than thirty nine. There was there was uh, countless, but he did that for you and me. And Isaiah fifty three verse five and First Peter two twenty four tell us that it was through that beating that we can be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Amen. We just read that. Uh, and, and if you can place your faith in that and, and realize that he substituted himself for you, for me, um, just, it's, it's just, I don't have words for it. It's just beyond description. Um, back to Matthew 27. Uh, it, it talks about how they uh, they took him and they stripped him, put a scarlet robe on, and and all that. Um, you know, the soldiers after the beating took they they hit him. They spit on him. They mocked him. They made a crown of thorns to put, and these aren't just little tiny rose thorns. These are thorn thorns that, that, that really penetrate and made a crown and, and just mocked him. Oh, if you're the, if you're the king, uh, we should worship you. We bow down to you. And they just mocked him, ridiculed him, hit him, uh, spit on him. And so not only had he been, uh, beaten with, with the whips, uh, he was being mocked and, and beaten and, uh, it, because it seems like the enemy gets bolder and bolder when he thinks he's winning. Again, we see that in, in the world right now. Things are getting so bold, there's no, there's no questioning which, which side is, is good and which side is evil anymore. But this is just a sign of these, uh, these extra beatings that most most prisoners didn't get that they they whipped them they took them and crucified them they did gave gave Jesus a little extra before the crucifixion because uh, just the fury of Satan was being being released again that was for you and I then in uh, in Matthew twenty seven they they went to the uh, 
the robe and all, and all that. And uh, verse 33 says, they, when they had come to a place called Golgotha, and I'm skipping over a lot of this because you, you know the story, but uh, Golgotha, it says that is to say the place of the skull. When we were in Israel, uh, we took us to, they took us to a place that was called Golgotha, Golgotha the first time. And it truly does look like from the, from down below the hill, it looks like a skull. Uh, the thing is, depending on the tour guide you're with, there's lots of different places that they will show you. But this place to me looked like this place of the skull. It was near the tomb. Uh, things were, were fairly close by there, but, uh, it was, it just brought a reality to, to what we read about when we, when we, uh, read these things. Uh, it says, uh, they were at Golgotha, verse 34, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed, wagging their heads, saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. They were, they were convinced that if this really was the Messiah, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen to himself. Because their thought of what the Messiah was going to be was to overthrow the Roman occupation. And obviously this wasn't happening. Here's this guy hanging on the cross. So they are, they are emboldened now to mock him and, and to criticize and uh, if you are really the Son of God, why don't you uh, pull yourself down from there? Uh, down in verse 46, it says, About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, The man is calling for Elijah. In verse 48, immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it for him to drink. Here is where it says in, in John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. It is finished. And the words, it is finished, is the translation of, of a Greek word, tetelestai. It's written back there on the wall, back there, tetelestai. And, and it's a mean, it's a word that means to end, to bring to completion, to bring to a conclusion, to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, or to finish. And there are, there are many nuances to that word, but there are four that are very significant connected to this sacrifice on the cross. First of all, this was Jesus' exclamation, that he had finished the work the Father had sent him to do. One scholar noted that uh, when a servant was sent on a mission, then later returned to his master, he would say, Tetelestai, meaning, I have done exactly what you requested, or the mission is now successful. And that's the very message Jesus spoke when he said, it is finished. In other words, the fight was over, 
Jesus could cry out to the Father, I've done everything to telestai, um, the mission is accomplished. The second meaning that applies here is, is the, to, to telestai is the equivalent of the Hebrew word spoken by the high priest when he presented a sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish. Are you getting this? The sacrificial lamb, Jesus is the lamb of God. Each year, the high priest uh, would would go into the veil beyond the Holy of Holies and pour the blood of this sacrificial animal on the on the uh, mercy seat, and it was atonement for people's sins, and it was good for a year. It had to be done year after year after year, so it was a temporary forgiveness of sins. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was both the Lamb and the high priest, and that moment, as as our high priest, Jesus offered his own blood, his own blood as the sacrifice for the permanent removal of sin. Not just temporary, permanent removal of sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, and because of that, there was no more need of a year after year sacrifice to be made. He did it once for all of us. Uh, this was a sacrifice that was so complete that God never required the animal sacrifice again. Um, so when Jesus said it is finished, he was declaring the end of the end of sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice had finally been made. Uh, another meaning of tetelestai uh, was used in, in the business world to signify the full payment of a debt. And that's what Jesus did. He paid in full the debt for you and I. And uh, when, when, uh, when you accept Jesus as, as the Lord of your life, then that debt of whatever sin, whatever past you have, is paid in full. It's, uh, it's gone. Jesus took our place. He paid that debt. And uh, when we, by faith, repent and receive him as Lord, we're free from that. Um, and the fourth one, in ancient times, the uh, Tetelestai also depicted a turning point. When when one period ended and another period began. So when Jesus exclaimed, it is finished, it was a turning point in the entire history of mankind. At that moment, the Old Testament came to an end. It was finished and closed. And the New Testament began. The cross was the great divide separating the, the old from the new. And uh, that's what, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, tetelestai, uh, he was shouting that the old covenant is done and the new covenant had begun. Um, Jesus paid the price for our salvation, our liberation, physical healing, and complete restoration. When the price for your forgiveness was paid in full, Jesus bowed his head and died. It was finished. God's justice has been, had been fulfilled. 
The old covenant had ended. The new covenant had begun. Um, it was the fulfillment of of one and the beginning of another. So Jesus purchased our salvation on the cross. And he entered into the holy place and offered his own blood for us. Jesus bowed his head and died. God's justice had been fulfilled. The old covenant had ended and the new covenant began. Uh, our past is over. We've been given a brand new start. That was, I, I can't tell you what that did for me when I realized, uh, you know, I, you know, and I was, I was a good kid. I was not, I w- wasn't one of those that went from, uh, the gutter to the, to glory. I, I was a pretty good kid, but I realized I'm not living the life. I didn't even know Jesus was the Jesus who the Bible says he is. Uh, this was, <laughs> this was good news to me for sure. And that's what, that's what it is finished means for you and me. Um, and then back in Matthew 27, of course the, uh, as, as he was crucified, the veil was torn in half, separating, that was separating, so people could go into the Holy of Holies. There was no more separation any, anymore. Um, and of course, in, in all of the Gospels, in Luke, he talks about, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, one of the things that has really helped me, you know, people aren't always nice to you. Maybe you've noticed that. Uh, but I, I'm, it's been, been very helpful for me to, to understand they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know any better. If they knew any better, they wouldn't do that. So it, it kind of helps me. It, not that I don't get irritated sometimes, but uh, I'm still working on things. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's important that, uh, that we, we know that sometimes they just don't know what they do. Amen. In one thing I want to, I want to show you here in John chapter 20. And again, there's, there's so much I could be talking about, but I, I think this is, this is really a, a key here, an important thing. In John chapter 20, uh, starting with the first verse, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John didn't even like to talk about himself, but it was John. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. They both ran together and the other disciple, I think it's, it's kind of funny, the other disciple outran Peter. You know, I got there before Peter did. And came to the tomb first, and then stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, this is this is something that uh studying Jewish tradition 
the folded napkin had to do with uh, the master and, and being served at a meal. And every Jewish boy knew the tradition that if, if the master had been eating and he, he got up and left the table and he just wadded up the napkin and threw it down, he was done. That was it. Clean up. But if the master folded the napkin and folded it and placed it back on the table, it means I'm coming back. And that's what Jesus did with that napkin that was around his head. He folded it. Why would he, why otherwise would he do that? I mean, there's, there's no point in doing that if, if it doesn't mean anything, but it means something. So, uh, he's coming back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, in, uh, here's another interesting thing too. In Mark chapter 16, um, it, this is where the angel is talking to the women who came to the tomb. Down in, in verse 7, the angel tells them, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Isn't it interesting how he included and Peter? Because Peter at that point felt like he wasn't worth anything. He did not belong in the in the twelve. He had denied Jesus three times and even even cursed in one of the times that he, he denied him. And uh, Jesus wanted him to know that, uh, include Peter in this. Tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter hears this too. So uh, there's there's so much. Uh, Trying not to drag it on too long here, but uh, he talked about uh, when the disciples who saw this, how. How when Thomas wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared to, to them, and when he finally came, because Thomas said, well, I don't, I don't believe that I, that you saw him. Said, I'll believe it when I can touch his, see the nail prints and put my hand in his side. And that's what Jesus allowed him to do, was to, to come there and, and do that. And, and Thomas was convinced. And Jesus said, well, uh, you believe because you see, blessed are those who have not seen. And yet believe. Amen. You know, crucifixion is, is probably the most horrible and tortuous death any human being has ever come up with. Uh, the, the person's hands were stretched out at the side as, as, against the cross and nailed. Now, you can read different accounts. A lot of, most of the depictions put put the nail through the palm, but the nail actually went through the wrist because if it just went through the palm with all the weight and everything, it could tear through. Some pay, people say they did both, but they they wrapped, they wrapped tied the, the arms to the cross as well as nailed through there because not only that holds better, it's more painful right there. And and they, the Romans loved to inflict the pain. So they, uh, they put the... Uh, the nails in there, uh, it, it hit that nerve that run up and down the arm. And the, the other thing, if, if you hung for any period of time like that, the muscles around your chest cavity, uh, 
started to get paralyzed. You couldn't breathe. So you, you die of suffocation. So what the, the ingenious Romans would do, they'd bend your knees a little bit, nail your feet in that position, so that to get some relief, you could push up with your feet nailed to the cross and, and breathe a little bit until you couldn't stand the pain in your feet anymore and then let yourself down. I mean, what an agonizing uh, experience that would be. Uh, just lifting yourself up and down and, until you died. You died by suffocation. Um, if you didn't die quick enough, however, they would break your legs so you couldn't lift yourself up anymore. I mean, I hate to be so graphic. I, it's worse than I'm saying, but uh, but they would break the legs of the person being crucified so he couldn't lift himself up, so he'd die so that he could get this over with and, and get on with business for the day. But in Jesus' case, they didn't have to break his legs, which also fulfilled Scripture uh, that that said that none, none of his bones will be will be broken. Um, he was already dead when they got to him, but just to make sure, they did stick a spear into his side, and uh, they, the water and blood came out, which which doctors say only can happen if the heart rips. So, in a, in a real way, you could say Jesus died of a broken heart. But Hebrews twelve two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine? You know, it's not that Jesus looked at that cross and thought, oh, what a fun time this is going to be. No, he could see beyond the cross to you and I today to know that that he gave us the opportunity to accept what he did for us and and have life everlasting have forgiveness of our sins have healing of our of our bodies uh, it's just beyond comprehension to me now if anyone should ever doubt uh or need more convincing about whether the resurrection actually happened. Um, just look at how the apostles died. You know, uh, Chuck Colson, I think I've got that here somewhere. Chuck Colson, who was, uh, he, well, I, I'll just have to tell it, but Chuck Colson was, was instrumental in the Watergate scandal back when President uh, Richard Nixon was president. And uh, he became born again, had his own ministry. I think he passed away a few years ago. But he said that he he knew that the resurrection happened and Watergate proved it to him. Because in, uh, in the resurrection, 12 disciples, 12 men, for 40 years, never once denied that what they had seen. Even though they were tortured, some were beheaded. Some were. They were all killed, but one. Uh, they they suffered horrible things, but never once would recant and say, "Well, oh, maybe I didn't have to do that. Maybe maybe I didn't." Uh, because that's that's what it is. It's 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 important because all any of them would have had to do was to say, uh, 
maybe I didn't really see that. And, and it would be over. But then Chuck Colson says, in Watergate, 12 of the most powerful men in the world, uh, couldn't, couldn't keep it, couldn't keep that lie hidden for three weeks, let alone 40 years. He says, so I know that, that, uh, when, when these disciples had, uh, didn't, didn't recant, they, that it was, it really happened. But, uh, and the Bible doesn't give details on how all of the, the disciples died. Um, the apostles, but, but it does, there are other church writers and, and, uh, other writers that, that, uh, historians that talk about how they died and, and there are so many of them that agree that they're, they're pretty reliable. Uh, and every one of them, except John, died a horrible death. They were beheaded. They were impaled. They were, they were beaten. They were thrown off cliffs. They were, uh, Every one of them, but not one of them ever said, no, uh, I, I, this didn't happen. Even, even, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, who was not one of the apostles, uh, was thrown some hundred feet off a cliff and, and, uh, and, and survived, so they cut his head off. I mean, they, a lot of these guys were, were tortured and then beheaded after they were probably already dead. The only one that died a natural death was John. But he didn't make it without being uh, having some difficulties because in Rome they put him in boiling oil and couldn't kill him. They finally had you know we we're going to banish this guy. They put him on the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the Book of Revelation and uh, lived to be quite old. I think in his nineties, I think is how, how old they said. But uh, you know he may not have he may not have been martyred like the rest of them, but he he went through some bad stuff. So it's it's just uh it's obvious that if they had any doubt of what they had seen, uh especially concerning the resurrection, Jesus was there. He he appeared to them multiple times and was with at one point five hundred people and more at one time. Um and that's why Easter is good news about God's son, Jesus. Amen. He came as a human baby. We talked about that earlier. He he came into King David's royal line in the family. And uh, these four historical records say he showed himself to 500 people at one gathering. Can you imagine? that? Here's this guy... He was dead. Everybody knew he was dead. And now he's walking around talking to people. Mm. You know, he was hanging on the cross and, and, and people were mocking him. And, you know, if you're the son of God, come on down. You can do it. Um, but he really, think about it. He had something more spectacular in mind. He said, I, go ahead and bury me and uh, I'll rise again, like the song they sing. Uh, three days, I'll come back and prove that I am what I say I am. Easter really boils down to two issues. One, is Jesus who he said he is? Or was he a lunatic and a liar? The other is, if he is who he says he is, what am I going to do about it? 
Um, do I need to start following what he says to do with my life? And, and here and now today, in a way, we, we kind of sit in judgment this, the same way that Pilate did. When Pilate asked, well, what should I do with this Jesus? We, everyone needs to decide what we are going to do with, with Jesus. And that's giving your life to Jesus. And you do that. We did it. We, we read that the other night and, and anyone by live stream, you can do this yourself. Uh, Romans 10 verses 8 through 10. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's pray. We thank you, Father. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for placing our sins on him and that we can come back into your family. Thank you for the stripes that bring healing to us. Our our wounds are healed by his stripes. He bore our shame. Thank you, Jesus, that you made us sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you for this. And now by faith, we receive all that you've done for us through the, through the stripes, through the blood, through the resurrection. And uh, Lord, we receive your healing. We receive salvation. And Father, we just thank you that it is finished. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.